real liberation comes not from glossing over or repressing painful states of feeling, but only from experiencing them to the fullest. Carl Jung. So over the past several months, I have, as you probably have as well, watched as people have devolved and dissolved online into meaningless bickering and bantering, spewing hatred at one another, continuing to perpetuate conspiracies and misunderstandings and fake propaganda, news, <laughs> not even true, articles, emails, and really what can only be described as a vast ocean of memes ranging from sometimes incredibly creative and imaginative to uh, just dreadful, uh, dreadfully ignorant and dehumanizing. But as much as we need the internet, as much as the internet is something that we use, social media platforms and searches and Googles and Wikipedias, why is it so triggering? Why is it so triggering? And what part of our psychological makeup is it a manifestation of? So many of us have heard the common tropes of it amplifying the problems that we already have, that were already there before it came along, right? And a lot of people say that about social media. It's like, well, these, you know, the, the way that people are treating one another on Facebook uh, always existed. It's just amplified um, because of the accessibility that Facebook provides and offers or that these social media provides and offers and that these platforms are amplifying the core issues of humanity. And while some of that's true, it still doesn't explain from a, a sort of systemic point of understanding why the internet seems to be a, a sort of storehouse of crazy and why it seems to be in some circles and in some areas a literal dumpster fire for the worst of humanity. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean that it's all bad. It's not always the case in every single area of the internet. There's room for healthy, conscious discourse online. But certainly, if we have seen anything in 2020, it is that human beings, in many ways, are far more susceptible to unconscious triggering, to getting stuck in loops online, and that the internet uh, sort of brings out a, a lot of the worst of us. I found that for even myself, um, you know, I run communities online and, um, you know, one on on Facebook in particular that some of you are probably a part of, the Mantox community. And it's been interesting to watch as, you know, very intelligent people sort of just fall apart in online conversations and start to attack each other. And, you know, we have very specific rules for that group, but it still happens. Um, I even felt that pull for myself, that reactivity, you know, I like to say that nothing can, can piss you off like your partner and some random stranger on the internet <laughs> and, and probably your mother. <laughs> but all that aside, what is the, what is the internet a, a manifestation of? It's a structure. This is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately of why is the internet so triggering? Why is it that somebody that you've never met that you don't even know can share something online and just send your entire nervous system into complete override and a complete uh, hijack? Well, to understand this and to understand what I'm about to put forward, we need to, we need to first understand a basic framework of Jungian psychology and more specifically the inner workings of the unconscious mind. I remember 
back at the beginning of my journey in healing and psychological exploration, learning about the frameworks of Carl Jung and the frameworks that Jung brought into creation. And he sort of broke down uh, the mind into three areas. He, th you know, he looked at consciousness, which I don't think I need to go into, although that's very mysterious in its own way. And even the, you know, the latest neuroscientists and neuroscience research can't really pinpoint what consciousness actually is. Uh, but then underneath consciousness, which only makes up for about roughly 10% from what we know, 10 to 15%, maybe five for some, for some people. That's a joke, by the way. Uh, <laughs> about roughly 10%, we'll say. Underneath all of that is the, the subconscious, which is a little layer that we can sometimes see into, like a little window into the unconscious mind. And then underneath that is just this vast space of unconsciousness. So that's a, the part of our mind that is all the memories that we're not consciously thinking about, the, the past that we have experienced, the, the future that we sometimes create. But largely it's our, our past knowledge, our past experiences, our memories, uh, the people that we've met, the conversations that we've had, the knowledge that we've accumulated. And one of the part, one of the interesting parts that I got really fascinated with early on when learning about Jung was uh, an area called the collective unconscious. Now, the collective unconscious, or as Jung put it, and I'm going I'm to botch this German, but let's try it anyway, uh, collectives unbe unbewusstes. <laughs> I don't think I got that really right. I even studied German in university. But the collective unconscious refers to structures within the unconscious mind, which are shared among beings of the same species. So it is a term that Jung coined, and according to Jung, the human collective, so the entire human collective unconscious is populated by instincts as well as archetypes. So universe, these are universal symbols such as the great mother, right, Gaia, or the wise old man, the king, the shadow, the, the tower, water, the tree of life. So symbols and archetypes that represent things that you can find across all cult cultures, across all ethnicities, all races. And Jung considered the collective unconscious to be the underpinning and um, the sort of the surround the unconscious mind, distinguishing it from the personal unconscious um, you know, that Freud created in, in his psychoanalysis. So you have your own personal unconscious, right? So the idea here is that within your unconscious mind, you have your personal unconscious. Again, that's your experience, that's your, your past, uh, your past memories, the people that you've come in contact with, the conversations, etc. And then underneath that or within that somewhere is the collective. So it's an access point to the the unconscious mind, the unconscious experience through myth, through archetypes of all uh, human species. Now, that doesn't mean you necessarily have access to everyone's memories. Um, that's not, I don't think from my reading and research, what Jung was really talking about, but rather that that there was sort of this understanding that we all carry within our unconscious mind, a sort of a humanistic understanding collectively that shows up through archetypes, through the myths um, that we all carry. So said another way, this is the realm of the unconscious that connects us all, sort of a web of unconscious connectivity, a kind of under the surface understanding of 
uh, everything that binds us all together. It's the realm of, like I said, archetypes, myths, and imagery. And it's important, and this is important, really, um, for us to learn about the, the, the truths of the human experience in some ways. So I'm going to give you one more piece here about what Jung said about the collective unconscious. These are his actual words. He said, the collective unconscious, so far as we can say anything about it at all, appears to consist of mythological motifs or primordial images for which reasons the myth, the myths of all nations are its real exponents. In fact, the whole of mythology can be taken as a sort of projection of the collective unconscious. We can therefore study the collective unconscious in two ways, either in mythology or in the analysis of the individual. Right, wonderfully said. Um, so, okay, so what does that have to do with the internet? <laughs> what does the collective unconscious have to do with the internet? Well, first and foremost, I just want to say myths and mythology is incredibly important within our culture. And for a long time, myths and mythology have played the role of teaching us truths that are within the realm of the felt experience, right? So they're outside of the realm of rational truths, right? So rational truths being things like mathematics and, you know, facts that science would teach us, right? That's within the rational mind. And breaking apart systems into their sort of smallest forms, right? Trying to find what, you know, what molecules sugar is consisted of. That's, that's all within the realm of the rational mind, within the realm of the analytical mind. Myths, however, teach us a different kind of truth. And they are sort of the purveyors of the felt experience, right? The morality happens in there. And the whimsical happens in the realm of the truth. We, we learn these sort of spiritual, esoteric lessons through mythology. And this is done through the, through the teaching, through the vehicle of imagery, of imagery and of archetypes. And so what does this have to do with the internet? Well, the internet is a giant repository, a giant sort of dispensary of images, right? Videos, images, content, data. And it's a place where we go to, in many ways, try and understand ourselves, try to understand or learn about ourselves or this world that we live in, right? So the internet in many ways, while it serves other functions, the internet in many ways has become a, a sort of web, a digital or virtual web that we go to to understand our modern day cultural mythology, our modern day cultural challenges, to understand our fellow man and woman uh, in in our country, in our neighborhood, across the world, right? People that we that we don't understand. So now, imagine having access to not only one person's unconscious mind. Just just a little thought experiment here. Just picture, maybe close your eyes for a moment, as long as you're not driving. Imagining, imagine having access to someone's unconscious mind. All of the, all of their experiences, all of their past, uh, all of their beliefs, all of their pain, all of the things that they wish that they could forget, all of their interactions. Imagine having access to that. It would be 
probably, I'm going to go out on a limb here, quite confronting. On some level, you would probably meet the human, the human aspect of yourself within that person. You would sort of see this mirrored part. But then in another way, you would come into contact with things that are completely foreign to you, right? So for example, if you grew up in a family system where you had a great family, right? Your parents were married and there was no divorce and there was no abuse. And for the most part, people got along and maybe there's some things missing, but you had some, you know, core childhood wounds. And you came into contact with the unconscious mind of somebody who was a schizophrenic, or you came into contact with the unconscious mind of someone who had grown up with tremendous um, childhood abuse or trauma, or, um, you know, maybe their family experienced loss, you know, they lost a parent quite early on, um, or there was sexual abuse. What you would encounter in that person's unconscious mind would be completely foreign ground, right? You would have no context um, for the imagery that you were seeing in that person's mind, because it would just be so foreign, be so different from what has been stored up largely in, in your mind. So now imagine coming into contact with the unconscious minds of not thousands or millions, but billions of other people, right? Because on a daily basis, we probably come into, a, into contact with hundreds and maybe thousands of other people's minds, their conscious experience, their belief, their values, lots of which largely are being directed by the unconscious experience, right? Because not everything that we do is conscious. Most of our lives are spent on these sort of like autopilots where the unconscious mind is bringing our frameworks. It's bringing our our belief systems, our values forward in conversation with people, right? So when we get in an argument with somebody, there's that belief system that we've held on to since childhood or that, that value that we've had that our parents instilled into us and somebody else is challenging it, right? So it, that's a very unconscious often experience that we're having in that moment. We're not acting from a place of consciousness. We're acting from a place of being unconscious, right? It's like when you get in an argument with your partner, and that you know the next day you go back to your partner and you or you or you you get into an argument with somebody online let's just use that example because we're talking about the internet and uh you talk to somebody the next day and you're like man i was having this conversation with somebody online it was going okay and then you know they started talking about this flat earth conspiracy and i just lost it you know i just lost it i just went off on them and it's like well what did you lose you lost your consciousness in that moment right you lost your conscious capacity to respond and you reacted. Well, where did you react from? You reacted from an unconscious space. So every day you are going online and you are interacting with people's unconscious minds, whether you like it or not, it's happening, right? It's just happening constantly. Maybe they're commenting on your Instagram or you're interacting with them on Facebook or you're seeing you know, um, media on CNN or Fox News or wherever you tune into, and you're interacting with their unconscious beliefs, values, and processes. Now, <laughs> just to pause there, why might this be a bit of a challenge, right? Well, because not only were we not meant to interact with so many people and so many people's unconscious processes, 
but we haven't learned how to deal with the psychological implications and ramifications of being immersed in a, a sort of digital soup of their unconscious minds, of their unconscious thoughts, spewing out into the world in rapid succession at a pace that is blistering and mind-numbing that our conscious mind can't safeguard against through reactive comments which come from the dark recesses of their un and our unconscious minds. The, the that, that we've experienced goes out into the internet, right, in our comments and that other people have experienced. And we witness that pain. We see people's shadows and their reactivities and their anger and their violence and their frustration that is buried deep within the unconscious. And we witness it through the flattened out memes that compress and really strip away the intricacies of what should be rich and nourishing myths. So the internet in many ways, while there are some repositories, some pockets where you can still have rich discourse and interaction with people who are able to come from a, a, as much of a conscious place as we can to be aware of our, you know, our beliefs and our biases and our values and to come from a, a, a place of responding rather than just triggered reactivity. Rather than that, we generally are interacting with people from an unconscious level because we don't know them, right? There's no trust built between us and the strangers that we come into contact with online. There's, there's no felt experience. We've never felt that human being standing in front of us and, and had our body respond to theirs and their, mo and their movement and their energy and the nuances of their, of, you know, the, the intricacies and the subtleties of how they communicate. We've, we've never interacted with those, those people that we're fighting with online, that we see posting crap about, you know, the recent election and, you know, we get so triggered and reactive. And so we have no context for that individual. We don't know about their life. We don't know about their journey. All that we know is that their unconscious mind is saying something to ours that we don't like, and then we get reactive to it. So what do we do? How do we handle this reactivity that is just coming from the unconscious mind and permeating out through the internet, which can often be generated from, uh, from, from us and from the people around us? How do we still benefit from the inter internet and interact with it in a way that is more generative, that is more expansive and nourishing and, and satiating for us in a time especially when so many are feeling depleted by any kind of online interaction. Well, I would like to think that we treat it a bit like the unconscious mind. We treat the internet a bit like the unconscious mind. So we approach our interactions with people on the internet and we approach our time on the internet with caution. And we remember that everything we encounter has a sort of quote unquote life of its own and with its own desires and its own aspirations, its own pain, its own story, its own journey, right? It's, it has its own mythology that is completely separate from ours that it might be entirely different. And the, and the framework that it's operating from, the framework that an individual uh, or a group is operating from is completely different from ours. And so to understand them, we have to return to a place of understanding mythology. So what do we need to know? Well, secondly, what Jung would talk about is we need to be able to identify patterns, okay? So when you're online, 
start to identify patterns. If you continue to interact with uh, a specific individual or group that were just incredibly closed and you can tell that they're just there to sort of push their own dogma, uh, they don't want to hear anything, maybe they're highly combative, maybe that's not a realm of the myth that you want to engage in. Or maybe it's an area that you engage with in a very specific way in a way where you know that you're not there to prove your own point. You're simply there from a place of observation. I got, I actually got, um, if you are on my email list, you probably saw recently uh, that I sort of got, got launched at because I follow somebody online who uh, has very alternative beliefs from mine, right? Very, very alternative beliefs. And people were calling me all sorts of names, right? You're a white supremacist, you're, you know, it was just, it was a bit absurd. But I follow people like that because I never want to live inside of an echo chamber. Because if I have shut myself off from being able to engage with people who I disagree with or to be able to have conversations or relate to, and this is the important part, to relate to people who I might not understand, I feel like I've lost the game of being human, you know? Because at that point, I've lost my own sense of tethering into the fact that there are probably parts of myself that I don't know. And there are probably parts of myself that I can't relate to yet, that I struggle to connect to. And so there's just a, an understanding that those those interactions, right, those patterns that we start to see in other people that might seem foreign to us are an opportunity for learning, but maybe not somewhere that we need to spend so much of our time. So next, we look for synchronicity. We intentionally create channels, areas, resources, um, where we wish to learn and uh, learn from and explore without turning our feeds into these sort of mindless echo chambers that I was talking about before. So we create synchronicity. We allow that, that beautiful resonance to be there, right? We, we find out, we find and source out people who are maybe embarking on a similar journey to us. Again, the, the mythology continues, right? Mythology is all about the journey. It's all about the story. And we are all on a journey. We're all in a part of a story right now. And so for us to be able to identify who might I want to be on a journey with right now, maybe it's a mentor, maybe it's a guide, um, maybe you're looking for a community to go, to go on that, on that um, journey with. So to find the synchronicity and the resonance is incredibly important and it will help you maximize and, and somewhat optimize, if that's even possible within the mythological realm, it'll somewhat help you to, to maximize and optimize your usage of the internet, especially social communities. And lastly, we explore deeper cultural mythology, more meaningful mythology outside of the internet. And we reconnect to nature. We explore real myths. We study um, the mythology of ancient Greeks, the mythology that has been around in many different forms for millennia, right? Through different theologies, through different ideologies. And we start to understand the cultural narratives that are playing out within our society. And in that way, we can make some sense, some resemblance of sense of what happens in the chaos online. So I hope you enjoyed this little mini episode about why the internet is so triggering and why it is in many ways a manifestation 
of the collective unconscious. Uh, so if you did, please share this episode with somebody that you know is going to enjoy it or might be interested in this topic or this conversation. If you have questions for me, please message me at Mantox on Instagram or send me an email, info at mantox.ca. I would love to hear from you. And that's all for this week. So until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off.